again. Now, I could take many texts out of this uh, portion of Scripture, uh, but look at verse 20 there. One spoon of gold of ten shekels full of incense, and that's repeated a number of times down through the uh, portion of Scripture there. Um, It's a long chapter, this one. Um, It gives an account of the offerings that were brought by the tribes of Israel when the tabernacle had been uh, set up and had been dedicated, and they were dedicating here the altar of God. And the uh, tribes here, it seems spontaneously, it doesn't seem that they were commanded to do this, but it seems to be out of their own free will and out of their own gratitude to God uh, brought these offerings. If you look at verses 1 and 2, it says, And it came to pass on the day that Moses had fully set up the tabernacle and had anointed it and sanctified it and all the instruments thereof, both the altar and all the vessels thereof, and had anointed them and sanctified them, that the princes of Israel, heads of the house of their fathers, who were the princes of the tribes, and were over them that numbered, offered. And then the rest of the chapter really is an account of the different offerings. Now I said that each one of the tribes brings exactly the same offering. If you go down there and look through all of the different offerings that are brought, you'll find that each each, uh, tribe brings exactly the same offering. And maybe we wonder why it is that the Holy Spirit of God should uh, have the repetition of these things. We we could have had a summary, maybe at the start, that said each one of the tribes uh, individually brought this offering and then just stated the offering first, and then maybe there's a summary on down the chapter in verses 84 uh, to 88, and maybe there could have been a summary at the end just to give an account of all that was brought. So why is it that the Holy Spirit repeats this 12 times over? Why does it say that there is a spoon brought 12 times over? Well, there's little doubt that there is emphasis there that the Holy Spirit of God wants us to look at this and to take notice of it, and especially in an oral society like the children of Israel were, they wouldn't have read it. It would have been recounted to them, and so uh, they were hearing it. And modern readers perhaps don't have the consciousness of the fact that these ancient hearers would have been listening and they would have been, uh, they would have been sensitive to the impact of repetition and they would have picked that up. But I want you to see that each one of these tribes brings a half wagon load of gifts. Um, I have an old commentary at home dating from 1884 or 1880 actually it is, uh, and it values the offerings that each one of the tribes brought at 438 pounds. Now, that was way back in 1880. And you think of how even in my grandfather's time, uh, you could have bought a house maybe for half of 400 pounds. So we might estimate that the value of each offering, maybe in today's value, is maybe something like a half a million pounds. You think of the gold here and so on. But it shows the value 
that these people had on worshiping God. And it's on one of the offerings here that we've mentioned already, we've given you the text, that we want to uh, focus today. Because in the list of what every leader brought, what every prince of the tribes brought, there is this spoon, um, one spoon of gold of 10 shekels full of incense. And we might think, well, it's just a little spoon. Uh, It's just of no consequence. There are other vessels there. You have the charger with the silver charger, and then you have the silver bowl, and then you have the oxen and the cattle and the lambs and the bullocks, and then the little spoon. And we might think to ourselves, well, the spoon is of no significance. Why bother to mention the spoon 12 times over? But the Bible records it, and I think that it uh, teaches us that God even values the things that maybe we would count to be insignificant. And it teaches us that everything that is presented to God is of use to him. And I think that that's an encouragement to our hearts as we come to God's word this evening, that God is able to take the weak things and the things that are not. So we want to look at this. It's only a spoon. We want to think about this uh, only a spoon. And we want to think about what uh, the teaching is from this little golden spoon that is mentioned here in Numbers chapter 7. There are a number of things just about this spoon that I want you to see. And first of all, I want you to see that it is a presented spoon. It's offered to the Lord. Each one of these princes brings this spoon to the Lord. It's handed over to the Lord. It's sanctified for the Lord's use, separated and put to the disposal of the Lord. And we think of how this then is a presented spoon. And while it is presented, we can see something of the insignificance of it. We've mentioned the fact that it was small. Now, it's made of gold, and we'll come to that in a little bit. But as we say, compared to the silver charger or the silver bowl, or even to the animals, it seems just such an insignificant thing. And we are just drawing the lesson today that God does use things that seem to be insignificant. You think of how the Lord Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. And Bethlehem wasn't exactly a metropolis. It was not the seat of a king or the location of a palace. The prophet Micah referred to Bethlehem as the least or little among the thousands of Judah. And Bethlehem might have been passed over if it hadn't been for the fact that it was the city of David's lineage. But then you think of how the Lord then took Mary, and she was a young teenager. Uh, The tradition says she was between 12 and 16 years old. But she's from the small village of Nazareth, a village maybe of about 500 people. And it's never mentioned in the Old Testament And it was despised. And when people thought about something coming out of Galilee, they thought that that was something to be uh, turned uh, their nose up at. And they thought that it was something 
inferior. And yet out of that place, the Lord puts his hand upon Mary. You know, sometimes we have the Lord in a neat little box, and yet sometimes we uh, build preconceptions about the Lord, and then the Lord does something that just surprises us. But you see throughout Scripture how that God takes uh, fallen people and he uses them to accomplish great things for himself. And here's this little spoon, and it was uh, little, and it wasn't much as far as the offerings were concerned. But we think of how it was used in the service of God. A spoon stirs, and in Second Peter 1 and 13, Peter spoke of himself as called to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. And we need to stir, be like the spoon, and we need to stir up that zeal and desire after the Lord. So it is an insignificant uh, gift. But then I want you to see that it is an identified gift, because each one of the spoons is given by an identified individual. If you look at verse 12, you'll see that it is Nishon, the son of Amminadab, of the tribe of Judah. Or if you look at verse 18, is Nathaniel, the son of Zuar, prince of Issachar. And so each one of these spoons is presented by an individual who represents a people. He represents a tribe. And we are to come personally, individually, and then as a collective people, as his church, and we come to worship him with all of our hearts. We read in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And you see the matter of presentation. What are we to present? Ourselves. We, we are to present our worship. We are to present our um, praise and our prayers to God, but we are to present ourselves, and we are to, pay, we are, um, uh, to come, and we are not uh, depending on others to uh, worship the Lord. We come by ourselves. We come individually. We come personally to our God, and we lift up our hearts in praise and adoration to him. And I hope tonight that as we have come, We've come individually, personally, to lift up our hearts and praise to our God. And we see here that the matter of presentation was themselves. But then I want you to think about the motive of presentation, because you'll see here, as we mentioned at the start, it seems as if these princes um, came spontaneously. They came um, not because they were forced to or commanded to, there is no commandment for them to do this. But it seems that out of, just out of love for the Lord, out of concern for the worship of God, uh, in order to worship God with their offerings and with their substance, they brought this to the Lord. And we think of how uh, we remember uh, how, what we owe the Lord. We Oh, him all, we think of how he left the realms of glory and came into the sin-cursed scene of time and how he was bruised and how he was taken 
and how he was stripped and nailed to that cross, and he bore our sins in his own body in the tree, and he did it for love. We read in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, you're not your own, you're bought with a price. Therefore, he says, because you're not your own, because of what our Savior has done, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We are to present our bodies as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable unto God. We're not our own. We thank God for that love that was set upon us right from eternity. And surely that should draw out our offerings, that should draw out our praise and our desire to seek the Lord. But then look at the measure of the presentation. Yeah, we have said that this offering would have been of significant value. Uh, we are estimating maybe about half a million pounds in today's uh, value. And we think of how the picture here is calculated, really. It's sort of to show us um, complete, entire offering. They were bringing their all to the Lord. And you know, when we come, we are to bring our all to the Lord. Oftentimes, we think of uh, bringing the different parts of our body. We bring our feet so that our walk and our uh, day by day, uh, our, our, the things that we do, those things are dedicated to the Lord. We bring our lips so that our words are dedicated to the Lord. We bring our minds so that all that we think and all that we say is brought to the Lord. And we bring our hands so that our work is brought to the Lord. And it has to be a complete sacrifice to him. And not only is it an entire sacrifice, but it is an eternal sacrifice because there's no going back on the sacrifices of God. So we notice the measure of the presentation is to give our all. It is to give that which is valuable. We don't keep back anything from our God. And they look at the mark of the presentation. It is a holy sacrifice. Now, these people here gave what they gave in order for the uh, worship of God. They gave it for the tabernacle, which was the place where God was to meet with his people, where he was to come down. So these things, these gifts then were set apart or they were sanctified for the glory of God. They were set apart for the use of God. And we think too of what it says in Romans 12 about the sacrifice that we make. It is holy and acceptable unto God. It's a holy sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice and it is a holy sacrifice. He goes on and he says in Romans 12, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But what we bring to God has to be holy. We have to come with holy motives, and we have to enter into the Lord's presence and seek his blessing. So we see that this uh, offering to the Lord here was an identified gift. It was given by these people individually. But then it was an important gift because all of these things were needed. There was an important function for each one of these things, the bullocks and the 
Animals, of course, were the sacrifices. The uh, silver charger and the silver bowl were used in the uh, temple or the tabernacle worship, as it was at that time. And we uh, bring those things that are important to God. We give ourselves. We think of how God uses people. He has ordained that through the foolishness of preaching that men should be saved. And when we say preaching, it's not just what I'm doing here, but it is speaking to people, witnessing to people, saying a wee word there and a wee word here. And God uses that. And what we bring to God is important. He uses it. It's not insignificant. It doesn't go by the board. It isn't something that's wasted time but it is something that is important. So we notice here that this is a presented spoon. It is offered to God. But then I want you to see that it is a precious spoon. It says in verse 14 there, uh, uh, verse 14 of the chapter 7 there, it says uh, one spoon of ten shekels of gold full of incense. So while it seemed to be insignificant, there is a preciousness about this spoon because, uh, first of all, uh, obviously it's made of gold. Uh, In fact, the spoon was made of 10 shekels of gold. And that would have been a very costly and a very weighty instrument. No other item over those days that was dedicated was of gold. You see, the silver charger, the silver uh, bowl, and so on. It's only the spoon that is made of gold. And one, de- uh, one set of items was dedicated one day, each day over 12 days. And then verses 85 and 86, it gives us the total value of the items. And it says that the silver was 2,400 shekels weight, and the gold was 120 shekels weight. So, but it's, if we were to convert that into today's value, uh, a shekel is 0.04 of an ounce. Um, it would make uh, 960 ounces of silver and uh, 48 ounces of gold. And I looked up the value of an ounce of gold and an ounce of silver yesterday. And gold per ounce is 1,454 pounds, and silver per ounce is 19 pounds and 11 pence. So that makes the total of silver presented as 18,345 pounds, and the grand total of the gold was 69,792. Now, you see how that the gold, the, um, gold, and the gold is only in the spoon. So the value of the little spoon outweighs the value of all the other metal that is presented. Of course, there's animals and other things that were presented as well. But we might have dismissed the spoon. But you think of how it is so precious here. And you think of what the Word of God says about the child of God. It says, Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy life. So the purpose of God 
is to bring us forth as gold. Job said, he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And my, how precious is the child of God. We mightn't count ourselves to be precious, but we're precious in the sight of God, and we're precious in that God uses us. So the spoon is valuable because it is gold. And then, of course, it is valuable because it's useful. It was uh, used uh, to hold the incense here. And we think of how these spoons were really, they were, were really not like a spoon that we would think. It was more like a censer. And they were used in the worship of the tabernacle. And they were used to spread the incense around. Now, in the Bible, you think of what the incense speaks of. It uh, speaks of prayer. But we also think about how God uses the different things in his, uh, in, in, his uh, uh, in, in, in his service. He, um, he uses diversities of gifts, and he uses different people. And we have different capabilities, and we have different, uh, we have different talents, and yet the Lord uses us all in his service. So the spoon here is useful. And then not only is it gold and it's valuable because it's precious, because it's useful, but it, it, was, the only, it was only really useful and precious in the service of God. You couldn't use this spoon or this censer anywhere else. It wasn't useful in the kitchen. It was designed for the worship of God, these golden spoons. And it's the same with the child of God. When we're saved by the grace of God, our design is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. A man really is only, uh, a saved man or a saved woman, really is only performing their true role when we are in service of God. Now, when I say the service of God, I don't mean, um, again, standing here preaching or anything uh, like that. Of course, that is the service of God. It's a vital part of the service of God. But you know, God mightn't have called you uh, to be in the pulpit as he's called me. You might be somewhere else. But as you do that service to God, and as you are a Christian, and uh, as you uh, testify and witness as a Christian, wherever you may be, and do your work to the best of your ability, wherever you may be. That's a testimony to what God has done in your life. And God counts that as precious. And so the spoon here or the censer really only was valuable as it was used in the service of God. And we think of the same is true of us. So the spoon here is a presented spoon. It is a precious spoon. It's gold. It's useful in the service of God. But then I want you to think about the third thing, and that is it's a perfumed spoon in the sense that it was full of incense. This uh, incense, which was the perfume. And we think again of how incense in the Bible, it is a picture, it's a picture of prayer. It says in Psalm 141, verses 1 and 2, 
The psalmist says, I cry unto thee, make haste unto me, give ear unto my voice. When I cry unto thee, let my prayer be set before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. He says, let my prayer be set before thee as incense. We think of the incense altar that there was in the tabernacle. And again, that's uh, a picture of prayer. Or in the book of Revelation, chapter 5 and verse 8, again, incense is likened to prayer. It says, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, or incense, which are the prayers of the saints. These were censers, just like the censers or the little spoons here, full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. So here is something that speaks of prayer. And I want you to see that what is happening here. We see this little vessel that is precious. It's to be used in the service of God. But it's only really useful when it is full of incense, which speaks of prayer. And it teaches us the lesson that our service for God is going to be useless. Our service for God is going to cause no consequence unless it is with the, it's full of the incense of prayer. You know, you think of Aaron and her and how when they were fighting against the Amalekites, how that Aaron and her lifted up the hands of Moses in prayer. And as long as Moses prayed, the battle went for Israel. But when he grew tired and his hands fell down and he wasn't lifting up his hands in supplication, that's when Amalek prevailed. And isn't it the same in every era of God's service? Uh, we need to pray. We need to seek the face of God. I was looking at a video of Dr. Paisley uh, there maybe a week or so ago. And uh, somebody had put it up, and it was Dr. Paisley speaking about uh, the church and about the early days of the church and the great uh, desire that there was for fervent prayer. And he said, we've lost some of that in this day, and we, we can't argue with that. We have lost some of it. But you think of how this incense speaks of prayer. The incense was made of four different spices. Uh, three of the spices are really unknown to us. They're stacked in onic and gal uh, galbanum. And then the fourth one is frankincense, which we do know what it is today. But all of them are perfumes. We do know that they're all perfumes. They're all sweet. And it's interesting that the sweetness is brought forth. And it was uh, brought forth by finely pounding the, uh, in, or the, um, the different spices here so that the aroma of them came forth. And it reminds us of our Savior who was pounded there on the cross of Calvary so that the fragrance would arise. And our prayers are founded on Calvary. We come upon the grounds and merits the precious shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ these spices that were in the incense represent how our Savior was pounded, how he was put to death on the 
cross of Calvary. In Exodus 30 and verse 35, it says of the incense, And thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. And we think again of the Lord Jesus Christ, the pure one, the holy one, and how he brought forth holiness, and he brought forth redemption for his people. And maybe you're here tonight and you feel as if you're nothing in the service of the Lord. And we might only be spoons, but you know, as we go in the might and power of God, and as we stand um, with the, uh, the incense of prayer, how God blesses us and meets us at the point of our need. But we think of this little spoon here. We might say that it was only a spoon, and yet it was precious. It was useful. It was something that could be used in the uh, service of God. And may God in these days make us servants of his. And may we indeed be dedicated to our God in these days. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. Let's just unite together in prayer and let's remember the Sunday school as they take part on the Lord's day. Pray that God will bless. Remember the meetings that have gone over for the season as well. But do remember those in hospital. Remember our sister Maureen again and uh, do uh, continue to uplift her before the throne of grace in prayer that God will strengthen her and give her uh, that uh, full recovery. And then uh, our sister Lynn Nesbitt is in the hospital as well. Uh, she fell on the slip, slippery street and um, broke her bad leg again. So um, it's not good. It's completely shattered. But do pray for Lynn um, and pray that the doctors will be able to um, uh, operate again and that she might be raised to health and strength. And then do remember um, Emma's father and pray for him. Um, I think they had him up yesterday, but um, he is still a way to go so we can remember him at the throne of grace and prayer. So let's unite together and call upon the Lord tonight. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank Thee for Thy precious word tonight. And, Lord, we feel like only a spoon. But, Lord, we thank Thee that the spoons were filled with incense. And we come to pray tonight. We come to lift up our hearts in praise and adoration to Thee. And we come, Lord, to present our needs before Thee at the throne of grace. And we'd ask Thee that Thou wouldst bless us in the incoming days. Do remember the uh, dinner on uh, Saturday night, we'd ask thee for safety there as we travel and uh, all that takes place. And we pray for a, a blessed time of fellowship. We do thank thee for those who were in last Lord's Day. We do thank thee for the young people that took part. And we'd ask thee that thou wouldst continue uh, to work in hearts and draw precious souls to thyself and bless everything that is done and said this Lord's Day. We pray for a real sense of the presence of the Lord in the midst that thou wouldst come down and bless. Do remember our sister Maureen again, be with her. We'd ask thee thou wouldst uh, draw near and strengthen her and help her. Do remember um, 
Emma's dad as well be with him in the hospital. We'd ask that it always continue his recovery and soon he'll be able to get back to uh, speaking again and uh, all of these things. And do remember Sister Lynn as well and undertake for her. And we pray, Lord, for that healing process for her as well. And Lord, be with each one. Do remember our missionaries. We do remember the Reverend Kerskatton as he prepares to go out to Uganda. We'd ask thee that thy hand would be upon him and the family, and thou wouldst be with them and bless them at this time. We look to thee. We pray that thou wouldst meet with us afresh tonight. Shut us in with thyself. Pour out the spirit of prayer upon us. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen.